When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Now we used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. Quite frankly, everybody else has an interest in sending you to the electric chair. I'm rude. This is Simon Rose, and joining me for the business of film, as every week, is James Cameron Wilson, who, as I understand it, has been really overdosing on Sunway. You've been complaining there have been almost no new films for weeks, James, and now, presumably, they're all come tumbling out. I think now that, now that No Time to Die has been out for three weeks, the distributors are crawling out of the woodwork and releasing their efforts. In fact, Last week, we had six new titles in the top 10. So I have been a very busy boy indeed. I haven't managed to see them all. Uh, but um, I'm sa- sorry I didn't get to see Aracht, which looked really interesting, which I'll be talking about hopefully later on, a period Irish dr- uh, drama set during the Great Famine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, from the previous, obviously, we did see a slight dip because the opening. Bond film was so astronomical. Inevitably, mm. the s- second week was going to be down on that. But last weekend, because of all the new films now coming out, uh, it was a 3.9% upturn. And if you look at the same weekend the previous year, that's 1,802.4% upturn. <laughs> yes. So yes. things are looking very rosy. That's when there was only one or two cinemas open. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, well, I actually went myself to see um, No Time to Die. I was sort of expecting a half-empty cinema, but I think it was probably about two-thirds full. And again, a multiplex with many, many screenings. So clearly it's still doing some business. Well, I know people are going back to see it a third time. Last week, I told you I knew people who are going back to see it a second time. Hmm. But oh, they're it, actually you're... going. I've got friends who are going to see it a third time. I have to know what you thought. Well... I, went I know with, you had huge I, expectations. I went, I went with my son and partner. Maybe expectations were, expectations were too high. Um, I, was, I was absorbed throughout. I don't think I totally understood the plot at times. A lot of it seemed to make no sense. The scenery was beautiful, but we expect that from Bond anyway. Some of the new characters were fine. But I, can, I just find Daniel Craig a bit dour. That's when I'm not thinking that he resembles um, Norman Wisdom. Um, I was, it was not as funny as I was expecting. I mean, people have been saying how witty it was, mainly, presumably, because of the involvement of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but I didn't really find it so. It wasn't as uh, perhaps uh, depressing and devoid of wit as, as one or two of the other recent films. But I have to say, James, we spent our whole time walking back from the cinema, not discussing the film we'd just seen, but what was going to happen in future now that Craig is, is no longer going to be a Bond. Well, indeed, and there are certain clues scattered throughout the movie who could indeed be the next Bond. 
Yes, yes. Well, perhaps I missed we know, some of those. Yes. Well, as we know, it <laughs> ends with saying James Bond will return. But well, yes, that was not. just what I was about to say. We stuck to the end of the credits just to see that, which I think is <laughs> yeah. on every single Bond film. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I'm probably not Doctor No because I couldn't remember Doctor. Yes, I couldn't remember Doctor No. But yes, sixty-two. Yes. Um, but fun, I suppose the the music of I thought was some of the, the some of the sort of themes from the Bond music were very cleverly interwoven throughout yeah. the score. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get more of the you know the the very well known Bond theme, Monty which Norman. seemed yes, which although it was credited at the end, um, was pretty much absent. And was this the first film? I'm sure you're going to tell me it wasn't, in which as Bond shoots the the eye, there was no blood. Ah. At the very beginning, the opening. Yes. Now, if it had been a very pacifistic film, I might have understood it, but it was pretty violent, so I'm not quite sure why they skipped that. It was very violent for, um, for a 12-hour. So, no, it was, I mean, it's a long film. I wasn't bored. It ended before I was really, you know, before tedium had even begun to set in. I also did think the opening credits were a little dull. I know they can't have scantily clad ladies anymore. That's a thing of thing of yesteryear. But I did find the opening credits, which normally one looks forward to. That's when you settle in your seat in a Bond film. You've had something. Well, very I so love the song by Billie Eilish that I was oh, very yeah, happy yeah. just listening to it again. Oh, okay. On okay. the big screen. Well, that was the first time for me. I confess. It's the first time you'd actually heard it. Yes, yes. Oh, I had right. a okay. I had a tab open in YouTube um, from a few weeks ago when you said I needed to listen to it and I hadn't got around to it. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, you need to press on because there are so many films. Well, yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, No Time to Die, which was at number one last weekend, it's still at number one, down 45%. It made £8.4 million over the weekend, which is more than any <laughs> other film has made over the weekend yes. post-pandemic. Uh, it's now got a total of 68 Point six million. As it stands now, it looks like it will eclipse the box office take of Spectre, but not Skyfall. Even though it opened bigger, it's just slipping faster. But then we are living in the middle of a yes. pandemic. But what's really interesting is the film at number two, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which made 6.2 million. That is actually the second biggest opening weekend for a new film this year. Mm. Now, you might say, well, what about Fast and Furious 9 and Black Widow? But they included the previews with the take over the weekend. But Venom, Let There Be Carnage, opened on a Friday. So it actually made more money in its first three days than any other film this year besides No Time to Die. So I think the box office boil has been lanced. And people now think, hey, it's, great. it's a great trailer, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Um, I've seen it so many times, and I, I think people were seduced by that. They've gone to see Bond, and they think, hey, this looks really fun. And it's, yeah, it's doing incredibly well, which is really I can't say, I mean, talking about trailers, I mean, you've seen so many. I mean, almost all the trailers we saw were sort of superhero movies with lots of CGI. I confess, none of which tempted me. Yeah, there is a lot of CGI in Venom, let there be right. carnage. Um as you may or may not remember from my review of the original Venom, Venom is the name of an extraterrestrial that lives in the body of Tom Hardy, who plays Eddie Brock, a down-on-his-luck journalist living in San Francisco. Tom Hardy also produced the film. And so he and Daniel Craig are the two biggest stars globally this year, mm. and they're both Brits. 
And Hardy also came up with the story of Let There Be Carnage, along with the scriptwriter Kelly Marcel, who won a BAFTA nomination for her screenplay to Saving Mr. Banks. And my guess is you've probably never seen Holby City. I probably stumbled across it at some stage or other, but not properly, yes. Okay, there's a reason I'm saying this, because Kelly Marcel's sister, Rosie Marcel, was one of the leading characters. She played Jack Naylor. And I had a neighbour who was in Holby City here, so I started watching it just to see my neighbour. Yes, yes, of course. And sort of fell in love with Rosie Marcel's character of Jack Naylor, and then she left it, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago now. And because she's Kelly's sister and the film Venom was shot at Leibson Studios, she's got a cameo at the beginning where she's sitting on the loo and overhearing Venom and Tom Hardy speaking, Eddie Brock. It's a very funny sequence, Mm. but the idea of seeing Jack Naylor on the loo just really threw me. (laughs) And also, you see Stephen Graham, who I'm sure you know. I do. As a San Francisco cop. And we've got Naomi Harris. We've got Tom Hardy himself, Rosie Marcel. I felt like I was watching a British film. They've all got really good American Mm. accents, but this film is set in San Francisco. It's also directed by the Middlesex-born Andy Serkis. (laughs) So it really feels like a a British film. And the fact they shot, they did shoot some of it in San Francisco. Naomi Harris, of course, being in Venom, Let There Be Carnage, she plays the female antagonist and playing... Uh, Miss Moneypenny. Bond, yes, she's, she's in the, the highest raising films. Female yeah. act, well, actress in the world at the moment. In fact, she pl- plays this kind of possessed character who's able. She's got a sort of human, superhuman strength where she can scream and mm. blast people's eardrums. Called, uh, but she reminded me of Tia Dharma, which was the witch that she played in the second and third Pirates of the Caribbean films. And she's one of the, the best things in this. And there's Woody Harrelson as well token American playing Mm. Cletus Cassidy, who is the antagonist. And through some extraordinary alien um, alchemy, he gets his own venom inside him, who is called Carnage. I have to say that I thought the trailer was much better. It's funnier than the first film, but it's so violent and there's so much CGI. And once the humour dries up, there's only so much killing and destruction I can take in one film, although it is blissfully mm. short, it's only 97 minutes, but it's doing so incredibly well. And I was talking to my manageress, who was so excited. She said, because they're just coming in and out, like through turnstiles. So many people are coming to see this. Well, it's good she's got something wonderful to think about. We have no time today, James, but at some stage we ought to talk about trailers. And I mean, I, I try not to watch them because I feel they give away the best bits of the movies, unlike the old days. But we can go return to that on another date. Uh, I think perhaps we should take a brief uh, break now before going further down the chart. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose with The Business of Film, where James Cameron Wilson is taking us down the, the, the chart, um, packed full of movies. So what next, James? Well, we've got a new film at number three, which made £1.6 million. This is a very healthy box office. I, I am flabbergasted that Halloween Kills needed three scriptwriters. There's no plot, <laughs> not a decent line of dialogue in the entire thing, nor any sense of structure being a thin facsimile of the earlier film, Halloween, released three years ago, 
which was a sequel to the 1978 film called Halloween, in spite of having the same title. The 2018 film also pretended that there had been no other sequels, although there had actually been nine. And if you're a little bit lost, Halloween Kills is the 12th in the franchise and the second in the rebooted series. At least the Suicide Squad had the decency to put a definitive <laughs> article in front of the sequel to Suicide Club. And before you get too excited, we haven't seen the last of Michael Myers as he pops up during next year's All Hallows' Eve in a film called Halloween Ends. We can but hope. And for all listeners who don't know who Michael Myers is, he is the antagonist of the Halloween films, a serial killer who started his killing spree when he stabbed his sister to death at the age of six. He was then incarcerated in a sanatorium and escaped 15 years later, then an imposing six foot five inches. If I remember rightly, named after somebody who worked for one of the film distributors in the UK originally who'd done a favour to John Carpenter or something and I, I don't know he, he released he, yeah, we're talking about yeah. Michael Myers he released John Carpenter's earlier film Assault oh, on Precinct 13 okay. yeah, in okay. this country and he was very well yeah. remembered if they're he rebooting it if they're rebooting it you say they should put a definite article of course they could have put the apostrophe back in Halloween when you and I were younger there was an apostrophe there there was indeed <laughs> I am in <laughs> anyway we'll need to crack on we'll need to crack on Oh, so okay. I take it you're well, not impressed. Uh, no, um, <laughs> unlike most films of this genre, this genre there is a. Okay, what what really bugged me, apart from the fact it is so violent, yes. there there's a calculated political correctness about it that you don't usually see. An equal opportunity to be sliced and diced by Michael Myers. Mm. I have never really seen the point of another festivity in the year. I don't like Halloween anyway. I'm talking about the festival, let alone the film. But you've you've got a mixed race couple, and you don't really get to know them, but you know they're going to die. You've got a black couple, you've got a gay couple, and you've got a teenage boy in a dress. And I just felt it was so calculated in order to tick those politically correct boxes. Mm. And uh, it's become a tradi- tradition now to, for teenagers to go to see these films for a cheap thrill or not so cheap. And each chapter tries to outdo the previous one, but dis- by displaying more blood and prosthetic excess. The only real distinction of the new film is a cameo from Donald Pleasance, digitally um, <laughs> reanimated, a flashback from the earlier film when he played Loomis who was Michael Myers' psychiatrist. Zara. So, yeah, I, Zara. I thought it was one of the worst films of the years. Right up there was Space Jam, I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, gosh. Though, of course, as you point out, that's been doing amazingly well in the charts. So let's keep right. our fingers crossed. Uh, okay, and where now, James? Okay, and number four, we've got The Addams Family 2, which is down 31%. We've got a new film, number five, Ron's Gone Wrong, which sounds really interesting. It only made £868,000 at 557 screens. It's the first film from Locksmith Animation, which is a British company set up in 2014. About, it is, the film is about a malfunctioning bubble bot, which is a walking, talking, digitally connected contraption, which is adopted by an awkward schoolboy. He's trying to keep up with all his mates who've got really good bubble bots. It's, this has got 
fantastic reviews. It's probably the, not counting Aardman, which of course only do mm. stop animation. It's probably the only animation company in this country that does high-end, glossy, computer-animated films. So I am going to make a point of seeing it in the next week. It's in my diary because it looks really interesting. It sort of looks a bit like, do you remember Big Hero 6, which was very yes. enchanting? Yes, um, and um, we need, obviously, to talk about The Last Duel, which opened at number oh, six, yes. um, which made 325 Yes, I've read a lot about this. Ridley Scott? Uh, indeed, yes. And yes. I was really looking forward to it, as indeed I do every Ridley Scott. I'm a huge fan of his. And it seems like ages since his last film, All the Money in the World. And like that film, The Last Duel is based on a true story. This one centred on the last legally sanctioned duel in French history. Not to be confused with Ridley Scott's very first film, The Duelist, which was set in France in 1801 and featured two American actors playing the dueling protagonists of the title. The new film is set in France in 1386 and features two American actors playing our dueling protagonists. And whereas the last duel is based on fact, Ridley's first film was based on a short story by Joseph Conrad. And instead of using guns and sabres, the new film features jousting and is co-stripped co-scripted by two of its stars, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who, of course, previously won an Oscar for their, their screenplay to Will Hunting. However, Affleck this time takes a back seat to Adam Driver, who plays not only Damon's best friend and squire, but also his opponent. Before I went to see The Last Duel, two things struck me as slightly out of the ordinary. One, the film is an 18 certificate. And two, it is 153 minutes long. As a Disney release, the 18 certificate particularly surprised me. But then the film's subject matter is particularly troublesome, as the plot hinges on the rape of Marguerite de Carouge, played by Jodie Comer, with an English accent. And in the style of Kurosawa's 1950 classic Rashomon, the narrative is recycled three times, but given a different perspective by each of its main characters. Jean de Carouge, played by Matt Damon, whose wife has been violated. Jacques Legree, Adam Driver, who's been accused of the crime, and from the viewpoint of Marguerite herself. So in effect, we are presented with the same sexual assault three times, which would explain the cautionary certificate. And I have to say, it is a brilliant device, again echoing the premise of Rashomon. In addition, being the work of Ridley, Ridley Scott, the film is visually gobsmacking. I actually wanted more and less of the preamble leading up to the central conceit. I mean, the film is set in, well, it starts in 1386 and then goes back to 1370, jumps forward to 1377 and then 1380 and then 1385 in Scotland. I we don't need all that because Jodie Comer is so good and the film is very long. And I think if they just cut all that, he would have saved himself 40 million for all the battle scenes. It's not about that. It's about the rape and it's about how women were treated. Because basically, if Matt Damon loses the duel, I won't tell you if he does or not, she will be burnt at the stake for lying. The only way to prove that she's saying the truth is whether or not her husband will die. It's a real Me Too feminist take on how women were treated in the old days. And I think it's, it's problematic. I have to say this because it is problematic when you've got American actors playing French people and Harriet Walter, Dame Harriet Walter, mm. plays Matt Damon's 
mother with an, an American accent, which was really odd. But then I don't know if you remember in Amadeus, Simon Callow put on an American accent so that he was consistent with Tom House and F. Yes, Murray yes. Abraham. But this is made from the American market and the Chinese market, and they won't know any difference. It just bothered me. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so anything else you want to talk about before I've got something I'm Yeah, I, about, I know. But... Just very quickly, we've, at number seven, we've got Shung Zi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is down 67%, mm -hmm. but it's made a total of £21 million. We've got a new film, Hansla Rock, which is a Punjabi comedy drama about a single father with a seven-year-old boy who's looking for love, the father, not the boy. At number nine, the amazingly successful Paw Patrol, the movie, which was at four, down 44%. And at 10, we've got a new film, Aract, which I said I'd talk about very briefly, which is a period Irish drama set during the Great Famine, which mm. won the Best Film Award at the Dublin International Film Festival. But he's only made £35,000. So... Simon, you've got something exciting to tell How do you spell Aract, by the way? A-double-R-A-C-H for hotel, T for tango. Good gracious. Okay. Uh, I'm not surprised I didn't know. Um, Which yes, is Irish I, for monster. I, I, Irish I, for yeah, monster. When young, I used to be much more a fan of the Beatles than, than the Rolling Stones. I felt slightly went off them when they, they went to India and became a sort of mystical and everything. I think I like the early version. But there is a new documentary out um, called Beatles and India, which is showing about the influence of India over the, the Beatles uh, and their many trips there. It's, it's, it's really very interesting, even though I'm not sure I liked all the music that came out as a result. It is fascinating. Their interest, not just in... Uh, the mysticism and the the gurus, um, but also particularly George Harrison's absolute obsession with Indian music and wanting to know how to play. So we get a lot of Ravi Shankar in there, um, but we get people popping up. Patty Boyd is um, one of the voices we hear. We see people like Mia Farrow, um, the Beach Boys, Mike Love, Donovan, um, and it's fascinating about the the Indian perception of the Beatles as well. I mean, there's a wonderful bit with with an Indian group trying to be the Mophead Four. I mean, that was just quite extraordinary because the influence clearly went both ways. And I, I, I became to realise that the White Album, so we're told, really only came about because the Beatles were able to spend time together and and became mates once more. Um, I mean, I love little details. Uh, I mean, Ringo apparently. Well, it said he was allergic to the food. I suspect coming from Liverpool, he may just not like much of the food, but he took two suitcases, one with his clothes and one crammed with things like tins of baked beans. <laughs> <laughs> so, frankly, I'm not sure beans are what I'd take to India. But it was fascinating. The KGB sent an agent to find out what was going on. This man was Good talking, heaven. interviewed in the documentary, trying to when he was, he was going on about, clearly he was not one for um, Indian um, mysticism and spiritualism at all. He thought the whole thing was ludicrous. And indeed, many of the Indians who were actually interviewed were also sort of saying, basically, that there were lots of charlatans who were just pulling the wool over their eyes. But I found it absolutely fascinating. And there is uh, an accompanying um, uh, album as well, Beatles in India, songs inspired by the film. So I think if you've got any interest in it, I, th I thought it was really fascinating. Um, but that is it. Beatles in India is the documentary and the album Beatles in India, songs inspired by the film. Yeah, I just want to get that in, James. It's not often I see something that you haven't seen. No, this is very true. <laughs> very true. Um, we have about a minute left. Any um, film news you want to chat about? Oh, gosh. Um, this I put well, you on the I, spot. Yeah, you have. No, I would like to say one thing we haven't done, which we used to do in the old days, was talk about the box office in America. But I know we've got very little time, but mm -hmm. I'd just like to run down the top five grossing films 
of 2021 okay. in the United States could, could be quite interesting. Okay. At number five, probably, yeah, I mean, looking at the top five in America, this would be my favourite film in the top five, which is a horror film called A Quiet Place Part Oh, yes, yes. Two. Yep. Number four, already Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which actually made more than the Bond film in yeah. its opening weekend in the US. At number three, we've got F9, the Fast Saga, which is the title it had in the US. Over here, it was known mm -hmm. as Fast and Furious 9, which I thought was a disappointment. I did quite enjoy the film at number two, Black Widow. And at number one, any guesses? Well, I mean... <laughs> Would you say Venom took more than a time to die? But um, would it be a time to die? No. No, no, no. No yeah. time to die is at number eight. Oh, good gracious. Then I've no idea, James. No, it's Shang-Chi and the Legend oh. of the Ten Rings. And that's in the US. Um, if they ever get a release in China, which was, I think, the <laughs> idea in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. this film could make some serious dosh. James, thank you very much indeed. That's James Cameron Wilson, who will be back with... Well, I'm taking a break next week, but James will be back with more business film at the same time in a fortnight's time. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me. Look at me! How dare you! Close your eyes! There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs>